podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It slightly favours the right footer here, but Griffiths, having got the goal, goes again. A good start to the Nations League for Scotland, a comfortable and comprehensive victory over Armenia at hand and it was a game that posed the threat of a banana skin but Scotland showed no signs of slipping up a 2-0 victory, Ralston with his first goal for Scotland on his first start and Scott McKenna off the mark as well which was great to see and to play at left centre back. So we're joined by John Bleasdale, a newly published author, the big man sitting there with a big broad grin on his face on the Zoom call. And then uh, Barry Anderson from The Scotsman as well, joining us um, for a second call-up. Guys, it's going to be a good conversation today, not like the Ukraine one we had um, last week. Scotland were impressive um, and maybe um, showed more of what we expected in terms of intensity and energy and desire uh, against Armenia than was shown against Ukraine, Barry. I think everyone was pretty happy with how that game played out um, on Wednesday. Yeah, I would, I would think so. Um... I think the difference, a lot of the difference centred around the way they kept the ball and the way they moved the ball and sort of tight spaces around midfield and got into pockets in behind the front and uh, managed to open up the Armenians a fair bit, which was very different, as we know, from the Ukraine game. It was quite a different approach, quite a kind of stark contrast between the two. And I've always felt this Scotland team, particularly with the midfield that we've got, is better suited to, you know, the, the short, sharp passing game. I'm not suggesting it's Barcelona here, but, you know, that's the... I think if we if we focus more on that, then we're, we look a better side. I'm not, you know, of course, there's times when you need to go longer up to a Linden Dykes and, and get a flick on or hope, hope he can chest it down and hold it in. Um, but I think without Dykes on uh, Wednesday night there, it just gave a little bit more opportunity for guys like Ryan Christie to get on the ball. Um, again, McGregor, obviously, as we saw. And we looked more of a threat. That's obviously down to, as well to the difference between Armenia and Ukraine. Armenia were quite happy to string five men across the back, whereas Ukraine were pressing us quite aggressively and there was, you know, they were closing space pretty well. So, but overall, I mean, I'd, I'd like to, like to, to, to take a few more of the chances. I think that's probably the, the only complaint I would have. They created so much and to only get two, you know, I think we should have probably taken five or six in total. But, um, you know, we've all been here before. A Scotland wins, a Scotland one. You need to take, take them when they come. Yeah, I mean, this, this was no meaningless friendly where, Performance was more important than result, really. Performance was encouraged and given, but three points was what was needed, John, to get this Nations League off and running and respond from the disappointment against Ukraine. Well, that's it. You know, we I think we all talk, um, went up to Hamden, you know, expecting a lot better. We First of all, we, we, we knew we needed to win. And I think I was watching the John McGinn interview with uh, Lewis Sands in the Scottish FA channel, and you could tell that they were hurting, you know, they knew they didn't turn up. They knew they let themselves down and they let the fans down and they owed a performance. And they went on that pitch with um, a sense of purpose. You could tell in the first 10 minutes um, that this was going to be a comfortable night um, because Armenia really did not look up to much and that progressed throughout the game. They, Craig Gordon made a couple of routine saves in the second half and that was about it. Um, but Scotland were in full control from 
minute one, they passed the ball well as Barry was saying. Only disappointing is we didn't score more, but it's always the same. When you win 2-0, you're hoping it's three. When you win three, you're hoping it was really four, but that's just the nature of the beast. But no, I thought it was a, a comfortable night and um, yeah, and uh, a good start, encouraging start. Barry mentions that the passing was crisper. There was a bit more intuition really throughout the team. I think probably because Dykes wasn't on the park, it eliminates that temptation just to take the easy option to, to go along really and, and give him the hard work to do. But is that caveated, as Barry says, by the fact that maybe Ukraine's press against us didn't allow us the opportunity to pass it through as much and therefore we had to go along to Dykes? Or do you think that that is just simply a, a route that Scotland decided to go down, whether it was Clark or the players, because Dykes was there? And you know what, it's, it's easier to do that than try and pass through a, a, a tricky opposition. Yeah, I mean, there could have been, um, I mean, there's fair comment on, on, on both of that, to be perfectly honest. Um, I can see why he started Dykes. I personally wouldn't have made that decision. I thought um, Christy would have started the game. I was surprised that Dykes um, started. And, um, you know, when it came to the second half, when we were 2-0 down, that's when you bring someone that Dykes on, in my opinion, of course, who'd left the pitch. But I don't want to dwell too much in the Ukraine game. That's gone. You know, World Cup 2022 is gone. It's about focusing the Euros. Um you know, we've still got a good opportunity and we've got a good opportunity in this group if we play it right. We're up against, um, you know, as I say, I, I looked at Armenia's form in the, the Nations League because I wanted to see how on earth they get into the B, um, the Section B and they did not look like a B-League side when they played us the other night. Yeah, of course, yeah, I know they beat Ireland at the weekend, but Ireland's in no great shakes. Um, and I know they finished ahead of North Macedonia and Georgia have improved, so they must have done something right. But... Um, no, it was just about a lot of the players had a point to prove and for one or two coming into the team, um, you know, it was about them integrating themselves into the team. I mean, Scott McKenna possibly should have played against Ukraine. That was um, what I personally thought. But as we say, we can't dwell too much in Ukraine. It's about focusing on when Ukraine come to Hamden in September and when we go out there because to me, that's the two crucial, the two crucial games to us deciding first place. Let's talk about the man of the match, Barry. It was Anthony Ralston. There have been calls from the eastern end of Glasgow and those filtered throughout Scotland with a green and white persuasion to start him. And he was given his opportunity, I think, which, given Clark had said Patterson was fit, I think probably came as maybe a bit of a shock to, to most people that Ralston was given the nod from the start. But he seized it and we're suddenly looking quite rosy at right back or right wing back. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think previously, I don't think too many people could have complained that Nathan Patterson was playing in the right wing-back role from the start because he'd done so well there. You know, he'd got himself on the score sheet and it just his attack, attacking instincts were, were so such a part of the you know the way Scotland were attacking and going forward. Um, defensively, he was getting better as well. So, firstly, I would have said, you know, I don't... I, I would have totally agreed with Steve Clark going along with those decisions and, and keeping Patterson in the team. Having said that, Ralston's come in now and really staked a claim. Um, you can't imagine him being dropped for the Ireland game on Saturday. It, it makes no sense to drop him. Uh, so, yeah, as you say, great to be in that situation and have those options. Um, you have to wonder what Stephen O'Donnell's thinking a little bit because he's been... He's just been very reliable for Scotland in that position, and, and always turns up. He's you know called up to the squad. He's always there, um, but I don't think you know that if you watch the games, and and certainly Ralston's performance the other night, along with Patterson's in previous games, 
you'd have to say those two are ahead of him now and uh, and probably battling it out for the right wing back slot between the two of them from, from here on. John, were you pleasantly surprised by Ralston's overall performance or did you expect him to come in and play in that way? Yeah, I thought we would get a performance him. I didn't expect him to play as well as he did um, and be a man of match type of performance. But yeah, he's he's had a terrific season with Celtic. I mean, you think about a year ago, it's actually a year ago since Sancho Boscoglu came in Celtic and he was the only recognised right back on the books and he hadn't had particularly successful loan spells. So, you know, he was also told, right, we don't have anyone else, go grab your chance. And he's, he's done that at Celtic. Just to jump in on that point, John, it's kind of similar to the way that O'Donnell got his chance with Scotland. Mm-hmm. There weren't really many right backs going and it was, right, well, this is your opportunity, go and make it your own. Yeah, and he's, he's absolutely seized it. He, he seized that opportunity. So the terrific season with Celtic. Um, even when they brought in the likes of Juranovic, he was still more or less in the team. Um, and he said a terrific season. Then the other night, you know, the way he was attacking and getting himself into the back post, uh, you know, whenever Robertson was playing across towards the back post, or Armstrong in the case of his goal, he looked threatening. And now, all of a sudden, as you say, we've got a problem for um, a nice problem for Saturday because Nathan Patterson doesn't walk back in the team. And Nathan Patterson has only had, what, those 15 minutes that he got last Wednesday um, since March. And even before that, he only had half um, a first half for Everton since he's went there. So uh, it's a nice problem to have. Um, I wonder about if this is um, sadly the beginning of the end for um, O'Donnell. You know, he's been in and out of the old team that's not been doing particularly well. And now you've got the regular right back at Celtic. And a guy, Nathan Parson, who you'd like to think will kick on in the Everton team next season once he fully recovers from his injury. And you get Calvin Ramsey likely going to be signing for Liverpool shortly. So there's automatically three guys who are playing at a high level, that um, higher level than O'Donnell's going to be. But O'Donnell's been a great seven. And if he's still called up, he's still going to be reliable. But it is between Ralston and Parson right now. One step further back from Ralston, Barry, do we need to have a serious chat, um, well, we're hardly the decision makers, but as stakeholders, do we need to have a serious chat about who we prefer out of McTominay and Souter? Um, I, don't, I don't know. If there, I don't think there's a chat to be had, personally. Um, I think we've seen Souter in a Scotland shirt before. He's not got as many caps as McTominay, but he he looks like a centre-back, plays like a centre-back, thinks like a centre-back, positions himself like a centre-back. And McTominay doesn't, and that's not a criticism of McTominay because he's he's not a centre back, he's a midfield player. Um, having said that, you would probably have to say that McTominay's best Scotland performances have been at centre back so far in his Scotland career. For me, anyway, um, I think he's played better in defence than he has further forward. But we sort of recovered from his injury now, and uh, you know he had a good game the other night. Um, I think Suter is the man for the right side of the centre-back role. You Then you'd expect Grant Hanley to be in the middle of those three. McKean Tierney on the left when fit. Um, Scott McKenna was terrific in that role the other night as well. Um, and, and clearly a, a really improved player from the player that we've, we saw at Aberdeen and the player that we've seen in a Scotland shot previously. And I think particularly with his distribution from the back, he was excellent the way he controlled the ball and just looked for the simple pass into midfield. And if it wasn't on, he would play probably a more, um, a slightly more adventurous ball, but nonetheless still an accurate ball forward. He very rarely gave the ball away the other night, which was which was good to see from a Scottish point of view. Yeah, they were fairly 
untested. I mean, Armenia had a couple of 40 forwards. I think it was, was it Suter that made that really good last-ditch yes. tackle uh, when it looked like the striker was ending up one-on-one. I think Hendry or McTominay or somebody stumbled or slipped anyway and the striker was through and I think Suter swept up really well. Um, Jack Hendry came in to the middle and McKenna at the left. I, I was vocal in the build-up to this game that if Tierney's not fit, we should be playing a four. Didn't expect it to happen. Transpired exactly that way. But as McTominay, eh, sorry, not McTominay, as McKenna, um, the, the next best thing at left centre half in the squad already, Barry. I know you're an advocate, as am I, of Stephen Kingsley, but McKenna certainly didn't do himself any harm, John. Absolutely. Well, McKenna's been playing there all season for Nor- uh, for um, Nottingham Forest um, in that left centre-back position. Um, he might not be able to bring out the ball as well as like a Tierney or a Kingsley and offer the same support to Robertson, but he's he's the most able in that squad. And that's why I was surprised he wasn't starting against Ukraine. Maybe they thought the hangover playing that playoff final got to him, but he was man of the match in that playoff final. He was in a high um, and he's just continued that form and he looks a completely different player from no, the one that went to Euros last year because he didn't. He was probably the one that was there was a bit of Dubai. Did he deserve his place? Because he didn't have a great first season at Nottingham Forest, and um, Cooper's come in and really transformed him. Um, and I thought, yeah, he was excellent. Um, it was Henry that made the kind of slip that led to the half chance that Suter defended very well. He shows the player now saying he makes his move, um, which makes me uncomfortable with Jack Henry in the middle for the weekend. But um, but not the defence overall. For what they had to deal with, largely they dealt with it very well, and you can't complain. They got a clean sheet. Let's talk about the other end of the park then for a few minutes. You both said that the main disappointing thing about the game, and it's a very Scottish thing to do to to focus on that after a comfortable win, was that we didn't score more goals or add a third um, earlier on in the game. Again, came close to doing so. I actually thought it was a save. I was at the opposite end of the park in the north stand. Did the keeper get a touch on that? I've not seen the highlights back. The one where McGinn. Hit the bar. Yeah, I think he did get a touch on it. Yeah, yeah. I touch it. again, I haven't seen a, a replay, but I looked at the time like it just spun up off his fingertips. Yeah. Well, um, Shea Adams, I've seen a narrative starting to build that Shea Adams needs a goal, which I accept and understand, but it's, it's quite a weird one because he scored two really important goals only at the tail end of last year. So it's not like he's on an 8, 9, 10 game drought here. He sealed the games for us against Moldova and Denmark. Um, but some people suggesting, Barry, that he might have looked a bit low in confidence, a bit tired against um, Armenia the other night. Do you expect him to continue up front against Ireland? And is there any need for a change? Do you trust him to get back in the goal trail? Yeah. Um, I, probably my question would be, if you're, if you're leaving him out, who's the replacement? You know, I, do, is Jacob Brown going to play up there as a, as a centre-forward supported by two sort of deep-lying Number 10s, no, I don't think so. Um, Ross Stewart, I'll actually write, like Ross Stewart, I think he's got a right instinct about him as a, as a centre-forward, um, and, and probably if he'd been on the pitch longer on Wednesday night, he would have gobbled up some of those chances, at least one or two of them. But lack of international experience, are you going to throw him in away in Dublin against a, a physical Irish defence? Probably not. He's just been playing in League One, you know, third-tier English football. So I think Adams at the moment, he does look a little bit tired, Andy. I do agree with you there. Um, And I I can't dispute what other people have said on that. He he does look a little bit fatigued. But if Dykes is injured, I think Adams is is your best option. Um, He's got the quality. We know he's got good touches. We know he'll bring other people into play. He can score a goal. Uh, So 
overall, I would I would still think I don't think there's a need for a change to answer your question. I think you need to give Adams the chance, and if it's not working after an hour or so, then you look at your Ross Stewart's or, or potentially somebody else. That was the only thing. The only thing, sorry, Andy. The only thing that disappointed me about Wednesday was um, the substitutions and how late they were. Um, I was expecting a couple of changes to be made like on the 60, 62 minute mark um, and then maybe another couple in 75. Um, to wait to 75 minutes when players have come off a long season, we've got another um, two games in the back of this and the game is pretty much done. I know it takes one goal for Armenian things to change, but um, we were in complete control. We could have made a couple of changes earlier and there was just no point in putting Ross Stewart and Jacob Brown on the five minutes to go. Put them on the 75 minutes, give them 15 to see what they can do. Not five when you know the game when the players are edging towards you know just getting to full time and you know getting ready for going to Ireland. Yeah, the, the, look at the, the two goal records they have last season. I know Barry are saying Ross Stewart scored in League One, but twenty five shows that he's coming into this camp with confidence. Scored two really important goals for Sunderland in the playoffs. Jacob Brown scored fourteen or fifteen for Stoke at a good level. So these guys aren't going to come on and flounder against Armenia in a game that is in the palm of Scotland's hand, really. And I think we need to be careful a bit with Jacob Brown because if Clark doesn't afford them opportunities, what's going to happen is he'll end up with seven or eight caps amounting to a total of about 84 minutes. And people will just see the numbers, seven caps, no goals, and a narrative will develop that he's shite and that he's not worth calling up because he doesn't contribute anything. You're not everyone sees the context of the bigger picture. And that, what's that movie's fourth cap now, Jacob Brown? Something like that? Third, fourth? I don't think it's his fifth. And I don't think he's played more than five minutes each time. I think that he deserves the opportunity, given his exploits for Stoke last season, to go and show what he can do in a Scotland shirt. I would expect it to be, as you say, Barry, behind Shea Adams, next to Christie, or next to him again, or next to Armstrong, rather than a centre forward. I think that's mainly where he played for Stoke, um, supporting... Stephen Fletcher, of all people, I believe. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think he is more of a second striker, if you want to call it that, um, than, than, a, than a number nine. Um, and I, I agree, he needs, it's a difficult one because you you need experience for these international games, particularly the ones away from home, but the only way you get that is by being on the pitch. Uh, and I do agree, I think Steve Clark. I think the difference on Wednesday night would probably have been if the third goal had gone in, and then he would probably have been been quite quite eager to make the changes sooner. But at two 0 he's probably thinking, as uh, I think as John said a minute ago, that the the two 0 is so easy just to get pegged back, and there's only one goal in it, and then it, you know panic stations a little bit. So he's probably wary of that. We need to we need to have um, we we do have decent options up there, and we need to make the most of them and utilise them. So. I think if you, I would expect Adams to start in Dublin, if it's not working, I think when you get to the hour mark and, you, and if it's clearly not working, I, th- I think then you do need to make the changes quicker because there's no way that this Scotland team should be going to Ireland and and coming away with anything apart from a point, a minimum a point. Um, I think you have to be going there looking to win, and I, and I certainly think they're capable of going there and winning. Um, and even if you if you do come away with a draw, I think you you'd be disappointed with that, given the form that Ireland are in. Um, so we have to be on the front foot and taking the game to them, and with plenty plenty of attack and movement, creativity, and a bit of aggression in the final third to actually take the game to them and try and 
try and get ourselves a goal or two in front. We're absolutely capable of that. If you compare the squads, compare this Ireland squad to the current Scotland squad, man for man, Scotland squad's better, in my opinion. Um, so I really hope that we have that forward-thinking approach uh, in Dublin and it's not a case of let's sit tight and hold on and, and, and see how the game develops. I think that here's a bit of context about Ireland then um, for anyone listening that isn't up to speed on how they've been doing recently. So I, I saw you reply to the tweet earlier, John, I think it was you saying that we can't go to Dublin with a draw will do attitude, just kind of echoing your uh, thoughts there, Barry, that we need to go in and try and get a win because Ireland are particularly OEB. Okay, we're not at our highest that we were approaching last summer, but I agree we are a better team and if we click, we should beat them. Now, Ireland have played 12 Nations League games. This is the third instalment of the Nations League. They've not won any games in the Nations League. They've only scored in three of the 12 games. So this is not exactly a team that has been on the cusp of promotion. They're, they've been struggling for quite a long time. If I give you a list of teams that Ireland, the only teams that Ireland have beaten since their last, I don't want to call it a marquee win, but since their last impressive win in 2017 against Wales, since then, They've beaten Lithuania, Luxembourg, Qatar, Azerbaijan, Andorra, New Zealand, Georgia, Gibraltar and the USA. They, they don't tend to pick up impressive wins. Uh, they have drawn a couple of times against Belgium and Portugal, which are results that we can only look on at with envy, considering how they treated us a few years ago at Hamden. They battered us. Them and Ireland have drawn with them pretty recently. But they are not a team that are picking up wins here and there, they're at best really drawing. Uh, and I think that we do need, John, to not take the approach that, oh, Dublin's a tough place to go, draw will do. I think if we do draw, it's not the end of the world, but we need to be aiming to win this game. Well, um, I've, I've still got to be in my bonnet about 2015 because we went with that mentality of a draw will do. And yeah. when we got that back to 1-1 in that game, I was expecting us to kick on, but we just retreated and let Ireland um, come at us. And we got the draw and some Scotland fans were celebrating the game and I put my head in my hands because I thought, that's just not a good mentality. And then, lo and behold, Ireland get back in it, they qualify. Yes, um, you, you're, not, you're not banking, uh, you're not, it's not often a campaign where the world champions lose their whole, um, away games against your main rivals of group. That's That was a freak scenario, but we had the chance to bury Ireland that day and um, we didn't take it um, because we had the wrong approach. And this one, I don't accept a minimum of one point. I think we've got to go for all three. I'm not expecting Ukraine to drop points to Armenia and uh, Ireland in this section. They've already they went to Ireland with a backup team and won. So we need to treat this as if it's going to be a shout to us in Ukraine and give us that best chance. We need to take the um, maximum points against both those teams. And Ireland are not in a good place right now. We have a better squad than them. Um, there's not one player in the Irish team I would take ahead of any of ours right now. And we've got to go there and, and win this game. Simple as. Here's a, a list of some players then uh, in the Irish squad just to paint that sort of picture. They're essentially an English Championship team with a couple of Premier League players filtered in the squad. So they've got Quivine Kelleher, the Liverpool number two in goals. They've got Shane Duffy, well-known to most people up here. James McLean now playing left-back, I believe. A um, couple of Sheffield United centre-halves, the ageing uh, Premier League players that don't really make much of an impact at their club, Jeff Hendrick and Conor Hurahan, Young striker Troy Parrott from Spurs has got a few goals for them in 13 caps. One guy that I don't actually know much about at all, I was quite intrigued by, is Josh Cullen that plays for Anderlecht, 
not sure how that has come about. Don't know how good um, he is at all, but it's always quite exotic when you see someone from our corner of the world playing on uh, in Europe's uh, leagues. So this is the sort of level we're dealing with, not to be disparaging or arrogant about it, Barry, but we, we, do, we do have a squad made up of players playing at a comfortably better level than most of the Irish ones. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And the, the, as I said a minute ago, you compare the Scotland squad to the Irish squad and man for man, the Scot- Scottish squad is better. And there's probably not too many times in certainly my life, lifetime that you would say that. You know, This is probably the weakest Irish team that I've seen um, and under Stephen Kenny. They've, they've played 24 games. They've sent a tweet out about this earlier. They've played 24 games, only won five of them. Drawn nine, lost 10. And as you've touched on, Andy, a minute ago, the wins during that period under Stephen Kenny, the wins are against Andorra, Azerbaijan, Qatar, Luxembourg and Lithuania. So if we think, flip this round, if this was Scotland and the manager was under pressure and you had that kind of record, five wins in 24 games, you'd be at a pretty low ebb and the support base would be frustrated mm-hmm. and you would get an Irish team coming here ready to go for the jugular. So we need to go to Dublin ready to go for the jugular. At the end of the day, this is a competitive international game. So if we are going to go there with a, a, a passive mentality and a passive approach, then it's not going to suit us. We need to get on the front foot, get at them and unsettle them quickly and exploit the fact that they're vulnerable. Um, and I'd, I would probably say that James McLean at left back is, is one of the weak points. Uh, that we we can be targeting. Um, whether that's with Jacob Brown or not and trying to exploit his pace, I don't know. Uh, one or two options in that regard, but I certainly think we should be looking at weaknesses in their you know, middle to back line and trying to exploit them rather than worrying about anything that they, any damage that they might do to us because I think we should be able to take care of that. Well, how do we go for the jugular, jugular then, John? Is it about the midfield composure, possession and energy? And if so... Do we just keep the usual suspects in there? Stuart Armstrong played as one of the more forward ones the other night. He's actually seemed to split opinion on this. I've had replies to my tweet saying that Armstrong was superb. I've had a few replies saying Armstrong was woeful. Where, where do we stand on this? And is he someone that could continue in that central role? That's a, that's a good question because I thought Armstrong had a decent game. And as we said, he, he set up the goal. Um, but then you've got, I think this is a game for Billy Gilbert to come back. I think it was the right thing to rest him the other night. Um, after his performance last week, and he didn't end the season particularly well with uh, with Norwich either. So maybe taking him out was um, a good thing. But you know, possession is going to be key in the away games, and I think this is um, you know again Taylor made for Billy Gilmore to come back into the team. So I think that midfield trio picks itself again. With the Gregor still in? Yeah, um, he's still in for me. Um, unless there's an, an injury in training, I think you keep him in. Um, I know he's got a yellow card now. Um, but I would I would play McGregor um, this weekend if he's still fit definitely. Um, but then who'd you who'd you drop it to Christine Armstrong? And probably the most natural thing to do is um, drop Stuart Armstrong, um, which seems harsh given he performed quite well. But Christie's a more natural player to play off someone. Um, he's got a good track record for um, these kind of games, so that's the call that I think Clark will go with. Um, and to answer your question, possession is going to be key. I, I think we've just got to. Um, We've got to, um, you know, win that midfield battle. Um, and, and the thing is, and we we don't need to be going into certain away games with trepidation anymore. We, we showed in Austria that we can get that signature result and what it can do. It elevated us into that second place. 
And this is something that we've got to do more of. You know, if we're going to be regulating playoffs and major finals, we need to go to, um, go away from home and win more regularly um, rather than miss a job we'll do in mentality. And I think we're, we're more than capable of beating this Ireland team. You know, I don't want to, you know, this come back to bite us come um, Saturday night, but they are there for the taking and we've got to be ruthless in this sport to make sure that we do the job on them. Barry, how do you feel about the well, the box midfield being the two deeper centre ones and the two further ahead behind probably Shea Adams? And consider this with, with your answer, please. So that for ages, and I don't think Armenia quite hit this, but most teams that we play, when they counter Scotland or when they start to break through the lines, I feel maybe it's just the classic cynicism or scepticism of growing up a Scotland fan, but every time a team breaks forward, against us, I feel they look like they're going to score. They look like they're sharp, confident and pacey. I rarely feel that with us. So who in our team would be most capable in that box midfield of four to turn over the ball and move forward at pace to try and hit Ireland quickly? Um, Yeah, I probably would go along with what John said, that Armstrong is probably the one to drop out, in which case you have if you're playing the 3-4-2-1, so you've got the two attacking midfielders in behind the striker, then your two two centre mids are McGregor and Gilmore, and then the, the two sort of deep-line number 10s uh, would be McGinn and Ryan Christie. Um, I think it's more about... It's about transitions for me, because if, you, if, we, if we have the ball, then I'm looking for your two number 10s, if it's McGinn and Christie, I'm looking for them to find the pockets of space um, if, if we've got the ball centrally, find the pockets of space and try and feed likes of Adams or potentially the other number 10 and, and get us through the middle. If the ball's wide, I'm looking for one of them to pull wide onto the side that the, the wing-back's coming forward and try and stretch the Irish defence. Um, and then out of possession, you're really wanting probably both of them to try and filter back in towards a, almost a central midfield area to you know stifle the, the, the Irish team and, and close spaces and, and try and stop them from playing through. Uh, I agree with you there, Andy, because you, your heart is in your mouth a little bit every time Scotland are out of possession and the other team are springing forward. And that was definitely the case against Ukraine. The gap between our back line and the two forwards, Dykes and Adams, against Ukraine was just far, far too big. And we do need to close that better. Um, I think if Christie and McGinn are playing in behind Shea Adams, then I would definitely like to see Christie further forward when we do have the ball and try and get getting forward beyond Adams because Adams quite often will drop short and take a ball on his chest or into his feet and hold it up and I think uh, Christy can can link in with them in that sense but we need, we can't just rely on on uh, on Adams for goals um, has been proven we need to get other people involved um, you know great to see Ralston and McKenna get their names in the score sheet the other night and that's exactly what we need because we don't have enough of a thing. We don't have a... I know you're going to throw Ross Stewart at me here, but we don't actually have a, a, a 25, 30 goal a season striker at international level. I mean, Ross Stewart's still unproven at international level. So we have to try and create uh, goals from other areas of the team. And uh, and that midfield kind of forward box, as you, as you say, for me, would probably be the first choice. I think that's going to be slightly harsh on Stuart Armstrong because he had a good game the other night. I think that is our best midfield for then, John. It's funny you say that about the, the goal contribution, Barry, because 
I think McGinn's obviously chipped in more than his fair share over the last 18 to 24 months. But I think that's now Christie not scored since Serbia um, for us. So what's that, 18 months, 18, 18 months? I mean, we've played plenty of games since then, at least 20, maybe 25 now, something like that. So you would hope that Christie, John, can can find his way back uh, towards the back of the net again. Yeah, you would hope so, because although he's had a good season with Bournemouth and helping them get promoted um, back into the Premier League, um, and he has um, contributed the assists, he hasn't scored many in the Championship. So that is a worry that the goals have um, dried up from you know that time before Serbia when he was in form for Celtic at the time as well. It's just dried up ever since for him. But um, he's still a capable player, and uh, you know he just needs to have one of those lonely shots hit the top corner rather than the top row of the stands, and maybe um, Scotland will um, come back. But you know, there should be more goals in that team from others. Um, had Ross Stewart had more than four minutes, you know, there would have been a bigger clamour to say there's a possibility to start. But when you've only had four minutes at national football, he's not going to get a game. He's not going to start this game tomorrow. Um, and he'll only really come on if we're struggling and it's nil nil will it um, 15, 20 to go. That's the only time you'll see Ross Stewart tomorrow, I think, or if Shea Adams gets injured. Well, we're running out of time, four minutes left. So let's talk about the back line with the remainder that we've got here. Barry, any changes for you? I don't think you're going to vote Suter out the team. And McKenna certainly did more than enough to keep his place at LCV. So what about the middle? Is Jack Hendry the one to continue or will Cooper or Hanley come in there, do you think? I think Hanley will come in, is the short answer. I think that's your back three, Suter, Hanley, McKenna for tomorrow. John, are you more than happy with that? I think Hanley is the one that will start, but I personally um, think Cooper um, should be the one that starts because he's had, he had a decent end of the season with Leeds and um, Grant Hanley said a poor season with Norwich and that continued into the international game. So if you're going by form, I would say Cooper, but I, I'm guessing Hanley will be the one that gets the call and you know, if he just retains the form of um, 2021, then um, you know we'll be fine. Um, but no, I don't see... Um, McKenna being dropped after the performance he found and I thought was um, agree with Barry that Suter's made that right centre-back position zone in my opinion he had a great game against Denmark I saw the game the other night and he was excellent in the Scottish Cup final which was his first 90 minutes for or well 120 minutes um, for a few months so I think he's grown in stature and yeah he's right centre-back for me I think McTominay then Barry is starting to be seen as a substitute for Scotland by quite a few of the fans then um, I think at the moment he's certainly got a fight to get himself back into the team, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that's what you know. That's what we want as uh, as Scotland fans. Um, I think the other night uh, we had with McTominay coming on from Man United, with Hickey coming on from Bologna. You know, these are the kind of normally any player at those clubs would be straight in the Scotland team, and absolutely no questions asked. So I think it's a healthy situation for us to be in. Um, and I don't, I don't see anything wrong with it. I think every player at international level, you should have to fight for your place and, and justify your place. So, yeah, I don't, I don't have a massive problem with that. A couple of minutes left, John. We'll finish on the captain, Andy Robertson. There seems to be a bit of a, a narrative building that he needs a rest. Do you subscribe to this? I thought before the game on Wednesday he could have done with a 90 minutes rest, um, personally speaking, but obviously... He got picked. He had a very good game. I know Steve Clark was, um, you know, very complimentary about him. You know about his leadership skills, 
Um, if he's still feeling fit, then absolutely he starts the game. It's as simple as that. I, I just thought he could have done my rest. I think he could have done maybe been brought off earlier, as we mentioned before, maybe the 60-minute mark rather than 75. But it's done now. Um, and he clearly loves playing for Scotland. He's, um, and if he's fully fit, then, you know, no issues. Steve Clark knows better than this thing. <laughs> right, well, the team that we seem to have settled on here is Gordon, Ralston, Sutter, Hanley, Stroke, Cooper, McKenna, Robertson, McGregor, Gilmore, McGinn, Christie, Adams. Any problems there? No, I think that's fair enough. I think um, that, that's that's what I would expect tomorrow. Well, we'll see. We'll see how it pans out. Hopefully, Scotland will go and pick up a valuable three points, and then we can go away to Armenia and look to make it three from three next Tuesday. So, Barry, John, thanks for joining me, and we'll chat next week. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Thank you. Podcast Network.